Hello and welcome to the Hiring Enablement Podcast. My name is Gavin Spears, CEO of Solutions Driven, a recruiting partner that guarantees right-first-time hiring. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to embed an operational excellence mindset into the hiring process, and I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Howe. In his earlier career, Matt worked for recruitment agency Michael Page doing logistics recruitment. He then moved in in-house to Plusnet, recruiting for head office roles, which expanded to look after contact centre volume hiring, and then progressed to a management role, moving into the wider BT group to lead contact centre recruitment. He's also had a spell of leading corporate recruiting for the EE brand, and also had two years of a dual role, where he was head of HR alongside recruitment. More recently, in April this year, Matt now leads all volume recruitment, teams in BT group, which is retail contact centre and early careers, and other high volume hiring campaigns. He's enjoyed many successes through his career, including leading recruitment to onshore the contact centre, new retail store launches, supporting emergency 999 call centres, so lots of interesting times, but also previously was a professional volleyball player, so he's used to having to perform at peak levels, which I'm sure serves him well in his current role. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Gavin. Nice to be here. Good, super. So, so let's dive in. So I said at the start, <clears throat> today is really around discussing how you embed an operational mindset into the hiring process, an area I know that you're you're passionate about. Maybe just picking up on that, in your experience, what, what do you think are the key elements of that operational, operational excellence mindset? And how do you think that can be integrated into the, the daily routine of recruiters and, and hiring managers? Yeah, I think the, the first bit for me is, is that with anything operational excellence or, or anything kind of, I guess, recruitment or any, any anything across the board really is, is what's the goal we're trying to achieve here? Because the, the goal of our business is not to hire people. The goal of our business is to serve our customers. So our, how we hire people and who we hire is driven by that, really. And, and yep. kind of driving operational excellence should always kind of have that end goal of serving our customers in mind. Yep. I think um, when I think about this, I think, there's two things we're trying to do, right? We're trying to make better decisions or the best decision we can um, around who we hire and also um, giving those people who are going through that process the best experience. Um, and we're trying to do that with the least amount of effort. So any yeah. way we can take away the amount of effort it takes to make brilliant decisions and give a brilliant experience, that's operational excellence in my mind. Mm -hmm. And then removing some of that effort gives you more time to focus on making brilliant decisions and make and yep. give an excellent experience so that's kind of uh where where it is in my mind excellent really really good insight i mean just picking up from that again you you've obviously worked in very you know highly demanding industries um but in your experience in those types of industries how do or how can ta leaders ensure that volume hiring doesn't compromise you know the quality of the candidates brought through the organization I think very it's, it's very challenging, and mm -hmm. the one the one kind of caveat I'd put in here is is the higher volume you hire, the more I think it's almost impossible not to have some impact on quality of decision making, quality of yeah. of experience because you're having to make a compromise somewhere yes. in, in in your time. So I think you always will have some impact, and the key is is to minimise the negative impact and also kind of grow what how how it can be a positive fear. And I think yep. the positive for me is really data because mm -hmm. the one thing um, high volume hiring gives you is a, is a if you do it correctly, is a ton of data that you can yep. use to make better decisions in the future, to, make, to build a better process, to understand more about who you're trying to hire and why and what they want from that. Um, so I think 
how you to kind of, I guess, answer your question, how you ensure that it certainly limits um, limits any impacts on quality is, is you take everything you learn all the time you're, you're hiring and you try to apply it into a process um, yeah. and you constantly learn in that process. And I think that's that's that gives you a massive opportunity to not only get it right, but to to get it more right than if you only did one or two hires sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Good, excellent. No, and again, you know, you, you do hear many people saying, you know, high volume. There's there's going to be an impact, but I think you're right. It, yes, there may be a small impact, but as long as you're learning from that, you know, and, and evaluating what what improves next, uh, makes makes a whole lot of sense. What about real life examples? So, any examples that you know you could share that really look at how the, the kind of operational excellence mindset was used to either identify a, a pain point or a problem, you know, and then what the outcome or, or the improvement was. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I think just like everyone else, we had a really tough time um, kind of coming out of the back of COVID. So mm-hmm. I think we were one of the first um, major companies to really open back up its hiring very quickly, or certainly in the first kind of group of, of um, big companies to do so. And what we found initially was probably for about two or three months, huge volumes of applications as other industries were slower to open up obviously yeah. based on their on their customer base and their demand and then all of a sudden that dropped that dropped off as you kind of went in the run-up to christmas and retail was staffing back up and hospitality and a lot of service industries and also there was a lot of nervousness about that about returning to the workforce so we were hit really heavily at that point with gone from this massive spike in applications to actually for the amount of people we wanted to hire we we're in a bit of a tough place so one of the things we did at the time we looked at um the conversation in the business is always at that point around attraction Mm -hmm. and what 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 are we saying what aren't we saying but the facts in the market if you if you looked at if you worked with kind of an indeed or a total jobs or someone like that around the data in the marketplace you you could see there just wasn't enough people for the amount of hiring that that other companies were that as a group of companies we're all trying to do so really for us then it was about yes our attraction needs to be in a good place but really what's the conversion what's the percentage um of people that apply that you convert into a job and obviously go on and stay and perform well in their role and what we found is is it was it was really like it was really low and it was something we hadn't paid a a massive amount of attention to before because our attraction Mm -hmm. had always always made up for it um, so one of the things, just as a just as a, a kind of a, a one-off example, was we actually found in the contact centres because of how easily um, easy jobs were for people to apply for and get at that point, any any friction you put in the process before the person had engaged with you fully, I spoken to you, yeah, would really knock people out. So at that point, we found our online test, which which we did up front, um, was knocking out ninety percent of applicants. So in terms of um, in terms of what we were then going on and converting, it became very difficult to actually hire the volume you needed to do. So it was an important part of our selection. We had to change at the time what we did um, at the next stage and the stage after. But what mm-hmm. we found was is actually if we removed that and we spoke to people quickly, all of a sudden that conversion rate to the next stage became a lot better. So that was yeah. that was one of the things. I guess uh, another another example is. Um, and probably on a on a slightly different scale to removing friction, where we've found um, kind of over the last six to six to twelve months where things have become a bit easier in the marketplace, but actually 
holding on to your staff, your early life attrition is still a challenge as yeah. I think the world of work has changed a lot. We've actually started to introduce a bit more um, expectation of a candidate to spend time with us ahead of um, ahead of doing a final interview. So for mm -hmm. certain demographics, we insist that you come into one of our retail stores or one of our contact centres for a yeah. day or half a day beforehand. Um, learn about us. We tell you all about the job and you, know, you get a lot from it as a person. But that time investment is something that if you took it back a few years would have been kind of a no-no. But again, driven by the data of um, what was happening at the different rates. Mm -hmm. It's excellent. Good. Both, both examples be really relevant and, and super. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're all talking about technology, AI, automation, but in your experience or, or even your thoughts, what role does, does technology and automation play in achieving that operational, you know, excellence outcome? Um, and also any tools, any processes that you found, you know, beneficial through the journey? Yeah, um, I think our, our kind of philosophy behind this, whilst we are still very early on in, in I say early on in the journey, we've got we've got so much more we can be doing and want to be doing and, and want to be testing um, is work on moments that matter. So moments that matter to a candidate and a, and a hiring manager or a point yeah. of decision, we want that to be human to human as much as yeah. we can. I think everybody gets really nervous when you talk about technology and recruitment because what they have experienced is probably when they applied for a grad role um, and yeah. couldn't get, to speak to anyone ever, like mm. impossible to speak to somebody. Um, yeah. And that's that's really not what you want to achieve. You yeah. want to achieve the point where um, you want to you want to have that human to human, but <clears throat> only at the important points. So I think what we've tried to do is use technology to, to kind of bring that moment forwards quicker or get yeah. the right people to, to speak to the right people faster. So I think tools that we have used really simply, and this is the non-sexy stuff, is interview scheduling tools. So do we need to be spending uh, people hours scheduling interviews, whether that be kind of phone screens? And, and bear in mind, we can do uh, 8,000 phone screens um, in, a, in, a, in, well, in, a, in a kind of a three-month period easily, quite easily. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do we want to be shed, do we want to be going back and forth with hiring managers across you know, 350 retail stores around yeah. when they can do an interview? That's a non-value add, um, mm. and that so so kind of automating those administration tasks. A, it give, puts the recruiters back on the front line actually recruiting, um, and it takes away kind of bottlenecks in your process. Somebody's on leave. That's, you don't have a bottleneck anymore. It makes it really easy. Also makes it very easy for candidates to do it on their time. So, mm -hmm. so that that's the real simple stuff. I think after yeah. that, um, we there's there's some really cool technology out around video interviewing, which I think yeah. makes makes things a lot a lot a lot better. I mean, on smaller scale and in certain things, you know, a Teams or a Zoom, no problem. Um, but if I give an example of our our graduate assessment centres. Um, and our open reach assessment centres, which all used to be face to face, and there is no actually no um, benefit in them being face to face. We will do follow up interviews after them face to face to bring that human to human contact. Yeah. But on the assessment centre, both the candidates and the assessors prefer the virtual element of it, and it takes away a huge amount of travel. Um, 
we use a we use a provider called Topscore at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant uh, mm-hmm. platform. Um, works really well. Super simple for people to use, and a brilliant experience. And again, that's that's taken away. If I think of the amount of time our early careers assessors used to be, um, and early yeah. careers recruitment team used to be traveling. That's taken away kind of weeks of of travel um, over yeah. over the course of a grad season. So yeah, that 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 sort of stuff really good and then the last one i think is overlooked when you talk about te- when people talk about technology is um actually how you analyze your data so um there's a lot of uh, we use a lot of different um in our in our ats kind of our candidate experience data uh, in mm-hmm. there but just just general data data analysis of that and any um provider that we that we select whether it be kind of um, a selection provider um, yeah. building kind of online assessments or video assessments for us, or, or, or anyone, we kind of pick them also on the on the back of what they can give us back in terms of understanding that step, not yeah. just how good the solution is in the first place. Excellent, and I really liked your point on the kind of moments that matter because I think you're right. I mean, you can you can easily flood a process, but if it's not really impacting those those moments that matter or magic moments or whatever. And I do like the piece around the human to human piece, because again, you're right, it's too easy just to kind of remove that and, and make people feel, you know, uncomfortable uh, through the process. Excellent. Um, moving towards the end here, I guess my one of my areas I was keen to focus on, you know, in, in terms of, again, your, your thoughts, how do you think TA leaders can use operational excellence to not only optimise the hiring process, but really um, enhance the organization's ability, I guess, to cope with the changing market dynamics, you know, whether it be forecasting or pipelining, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, first of all, I think it's a bit of a cultural thing, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you've you've been in and around recruitment for, for a long time, kind of, kind of uh, as I have. And I think we work with some very data-driven people across the yeah. business. And it's funny how when you talk about recruitment, they take all data out of that and put emotion fully at the front of it. Yep. And of course, right, hiring somebody to work with you or in your team or in your massive teams across across uh, you know uh, the UK or the world is 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 an emotional thing, right? People work mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. But I think the first thing is is we've got to get it in the culture that recruitment is just like any other person to person interaction, and data has got to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, so I think first of all you've got to drive it cultural, and then how do you enable it to to kind of um, assist you? Like I think mm-hmm. we've got to work out what it is around what what represents operational eff- efficiency or effectiveness in mm-hmm. in in your space. In our space, in a high volume recruitment area, it is um, the amount of people that we attract that convert into a starter and stay yeah. and perform. So yeah. we've kind of got the end to end. We would typically measure that over their first 12 months with us. Typically, yeah. early careers is a little bit different. You'd, you'd measure them kind of beyond the end of their grad scheme or their apprenticeship. But we want to know um, how many of those people press apply, end up in the job and then perform at their job and stay. And then yeah. really what that informs is, is our attraction and our selection process throughout. Um, then we also need to overlay that with what are our, our application rates. So, i.e., mm-hmm. if we're going to convert this percent of people, how many people will we need to click apply of that type of person? So, making business decisions becomes more about um, 
can we achieve the numbers that we forecast we need to achieve to deliver what we're being asked to deliver so for instance we're often asked um could we ramp up in a certain location um you know a contact center location for instance um more space is available could we go faster there slow down somewhere else we will take that based on historic data on application rates yeah on the things that we have the the different levers we've pulled through an attraction perspective mm-hmm. we'll add in market data uh, on top of that to kind of look at actually what's the size of more attraction we could do what's the size yeah. of the prize there and then actually how many people would we need because what what's our what's our historic conversion rate so i think making those business-based decisions becomes a lot easier or a lot more Mm. informed and i also think it it informs things like internal reskilling programs as well um Mm. so what does a business need to do around um either hiring people in or reskilling existing workforce again that that kind of insight into how easy it will be to go external versus internal is a good is a good guide as well. Excellent, yeah, super good. And and maybe just to close off then. So you know you've had a really interesting recruitment stroke TA journey. You know, and what would be your biggest learning throughout that journey? And also to other peers listening to the podcast, any advice that you would like to to share from that journey? Um, I think the one thing I've you know, let's let's go with two if that's all right. I think yeah, no problem. First of all, and this this I think shocked everyone uh, shocks everyone when they get into recruitment is um, people are uh, people make decisions that you just cannot see come in. So I I, I think yeah. ten plus years in recruitment, and I'm still surprised every day about the things that happen and things that, things that go around. And I don't think that'll ever yeah. that'll ever change. And that's part of the fun in in recruitment, right? You're always on your toes with that stuff. But no, really, I think it's the evidence doesn't lie. So the numbers, the data, mm-hmm. and, I, and I keep coming back to it, that does not, um, if if that doesn't add up, you, you, you're not going to get the outcome, if that makes yeah. sense. So yeah, yeah very, very much t- to take away that kind of emotion and feel to every recruitment decision. Mm-hmm. Basically, if, 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 you, if your numbers don't, don't evidence the outcome you're being told you're going to get, it's very likely they're not you're not going to get that outcome. So I think yeah. always trust in that stuff. Yeah, good, excellent, super. That was excellent, Matt. Really, really insightful. You know, I think you know listening to the, the kind of mindset on what you've done and what you're doing and, and the kind of focus points, absolutely superb. So I think from my side, thanks to the listeners. Hope you've enjoyed the session. I certainly have. Please feedback if there's any other topics you would like me to to discuss in future. Uh, But most importantly, thanks to Matt for your time. Really appreciate you joining the podcast. Thanks, Gavin. Great. Thanks, Matt.